You're listening to the DOD Be There podcast. I'm your host, Jane Dooley. Today, we're talking about the importance and value of building connections in your military community. Stay with us to hear more. The DOD Be There podcast is produced by the DOD Be There Peer Support Call and Outreach Center. Contacting the center is a quick and convenient way to find resources and receive confidential peer support for any type of challenge military life is throwing your way. Be There Peer Support is available 24-7, 365 through chat, email, call, or text at 844-357-PEER. That's 844-357-7337. You can also visit us at BeTherePeerSupport.org. Crew, tribe, posse, squad, fam, whatever you call them, it's your community. The people who've got your six. They're so important to our health and well-being, even more so when you're part of the military community, where family and back home might be hundreds of miles away. So we wanted to talk to some people who have firsthand knowledge of the energy it takes to create those connections for themselves and their families, and to get their tips and strategies on how to thrive in military life. In part one of this two-part series, we meet Kelly. Kelly is the wife of a retired Marine, a mom of six, and a former military brat herself. She shares her experiences and teaches us the importance and value of building community while in the military and how to make the best of it when connections aren't so easy to find. So Kelly, hi, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. We are talking about finding community and making and building connections in the military community. And you are the wife of a retired Marine and a mom of six. That's correct? That is correct. I am. And so do you want to give us a little bit more information about your family and, and, and where they all are at at this stage? Oh, I would love to. So my husband and I um, had two children, and then there were four, and then there were six. <laughs> and it coincided, um, coincidentally, every time he picked up rank. So by the time uh, he retired as a Master Guns, and by the time he got ready to pick that up, I told him, I don't think you're going to get it because we only have five kids right now. <laughs> and um, sure enough, he picked it up and we had a six. And so uh, right now, my youngest is 14 and the one right above him is uh, set 15. He's fixing to be 16 and they both still live at home. And so I find myself um, really trying to downsize everything I do from a large family to just having two kiddos left in the house. Um, I have two married daughters. One lives here nearby with four of my six grandchildren. And I have a daughter that's stationed with her husband. He is a Marine. So we're kind of keeping it in the family. Then I have a son who is uh, currently in Air, the Air Force at a school in Florida. And then I have one other son who is trying to decide if he wants to do the military or not. And he is going to be a sophomore at a university in Texas. Oh, nice. Wonderful, wonderful. So you've pretty much experienced the entire gamut of parenting, being a spouse, having experiences with PCS, having deployments, and just some of those challenges that military families face when needing to build their community. Do you have any examples of maybe some of the challenges that you personally faced with building community or, or finding those connections in the military community? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's interesting that my experience at, you know, a, a spouse of five years was very, very different than my experience as a spouse at 
10 years and then 15 and then 20. And then, you know, we did 28 years. And I found that when we would move or when things would change, just because I had done them before didn't mean that I had it down pat. There was always, I was at a different stage in my life. My children were at different ages. So there, there are some general threads, I think, that are the same. But I think you have to remain open that it's not going to go exactly like you seem to think it should. There's always this little twist that come in. And really, when we would PCS to a new duty station, um, when I had children in school, by virtue of that, that immediately starts helping you to build a community. There's a school you go to. Um, if you have a church affiliation, that church family, um, if you get involved in organizations, that is really what starts anchoring you to a community. And the quicker that you start figuring that out and putting yourself out there, whatever it is your interests are, that is really, I think, what grounded us, that we would get somewhere and mainly we're here, get back to life as usual. And what that meant for us was school, church. Um, I volunteered at different locations for different activities, but I always had a volunteer type of life. Um, and then once I started working full time, that had to back off a little bit. And then that work life kind of filled some of that. So I really think it's not delaying getting back to the business of living your life as you would as quick as you can within reason of having a move. Yeah, no, that's so true. Just kind of jumping in, trying to normalize things or at least get yourself back into the groove of the things that need to be happening on a day-to-day basis. Do do you think the experience was the same for your kids? Do you do you have any insight on how they maybe experienced it? Now, if I understand correctly, you were also a military kid. Is that correct? It is. I was. My dad was in the Air Force. And in fact, I went from having an ID card that said dependent daughter to one that said dependent wife. And then, of course, it got changed to spouse. So I've never not had or been part of the military community as a family member. And it is very different for the children. Um, and I think it's also dependent upon um, how the parents manage deployments and PCSs. For me, my father was a pilot and it was post-Vietnam and he was flying a lot of missions that... I really now understand a little bit better, but back then I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't understand the danger. This was just our routine. And uh, my sister and I, I had one sibling, he would leave and they were mostly night missions. And so when he would come home late in the wee hours of the morning, we would wake up and he would bring his flight lunch box. They would get a lunch box for the flight and he would usually save things or I don't know if he got extra stuff. But that was our big thing. We didn't care or understand that what my dad was doing was this amazing and somewhat important job in flying these huge aircraft. We were more concerned about the flight lunch kit. And (laughs) to me, that's very symbolic about my parents really incorporating us into the military lifestyle. We had little flight suits growing up. We went out and utilized the base. My dad was on nuclear alert a lot and we they had a family facility. We would go out there and this was our normal life. It was my parents normalized it. So as I got older and realized not all kids live this way, um, it just made my dad so much more in my eyes than, than what I thought he was when he was, you know, he was just going to work. He could have been anything. And we tried to do that for our children, that um, giving them pride in being children of a Marine, 
um, understanding and respecting what the mission of the Marine Corps was and being proud of that and kind of taking some ownership as military brats. I think that that helped them then understand when we had to do these moves or when their dad was deployed. Uh, it wasn't, I don't think they resented it as much. I don't know. We would have to ask them. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the recent things that you and your family had was retirement. Your husband, you said, has recently retired? Yes. he. We actually just hit the four-year mark and um, from retirement. And I feel like we're just now figuring it out that <laughs> this has been one of probably the longest adjustments that we've had because we chose to retire in an area that is not predominantly military. And so, and I think that from talking to other peers that do stay in a predominantly military area, there is adjustments on either side. It, it doesn't matter. There's just a, a whole shift. Um, for me, moving to an area that a lot of the folks around here have no concept of what it was like to live as a military family. So they have no frame of reference. And I found that I really have to kind of give them some grace because I started to get really offended a few times when we first moved into this area and people would thoughtlessly make comments or say things. And then I had to realize that they actually really weren't meaning to be thoughtless or um, insensitive, but that they really legitimately did not understand what my last, well, however old I was at the time, but for sure the last 28 years in the Marine Corps, what that had looked like and, and how could they, how could they have known that? So that when I had that realization, that really made a big difference in the way that I was able then to start connecting with this community. Because in the beginning, I was a little worried. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what are some of the things you did to build that community, either both in the community that you were in, as well as maintaining some of the connections back to the military community? Well, it helps that my job keeps me connected with military families. So that was very, very helpful. Um, other than that, it's really a lot of work to stay connected to some of your military friends who are now dispersed all over the world. And there's no chance they're going to get stationed where I live currently. Um, the other flip side of that is I am recruiting as many of them as they drop their retirement papers to come live near me. <laughs> so that that's one way to build your community. Um, th but really connecting with the community I find myself in, I think speaks to the adaptability of military families. So once I understood, Hey, this is, this is where you are. And these folks really don't understand where you've been. So you need to, you know, not be so sensitive or you need to learn how to gently educate, which is another thing that I really like to do is, you know, suggest, hey, maybe you should understand or think of it this way when they make a an, a comment that is less than desirable. Um, or sometimes I just let it go and chalk it up to they just don't know what, you know, don't know what my life was. When I let go of all of that, I was able to start appreciating them for who they were and for the community that I'm in now and to recognize that, you know, the uniform gets hung up by everybody at some point. And it is our choice on how we move forward and with what kind of attitude we do. And because I feel that military families are extremely adaptable, we do that very well. Once we figure out where we are and we want to be there, then we dive in. You start making those connections again, school, church. There are volunteer opportunities here, though, to support veterans. Um, they're everywhere. You just have to look for them if that's what you want to continue to do. I think you do also have to look at opportunities to 
bust out of the community you've been in, locked in, sometimes not by choice because you orders are not by choice. You go where they tell you. Now you have the option to say, this is a whole new world that's opened up. And what do I really want to do? Well, if I want to go volunteer with this group that supports veterans and service members, absolutely. Do I want to invest more in the local community and the issues that are here? I just do something. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Now, you mentioned that you had two of your kids were still at home. How many children did you have at home at the time that your husband retired? And, and how was the experience for them, do you think? Well, when we retired, we actually had to find a house that would fit five of the six children <laughs> because my son, my oldest son was returning. Um, he served a mission for our church. And so he was returning from that mission. It was a two-year mission. And so we were kind of a uh, halfway house for him, so to speak, to <laughs> move on with the rest of his life. And my third daughter, my th- third oldest child had just graduated high school. So she wasn't ready to you know, fly yet. And then I had the three boys that were still in school that actually moved amidst elementary, middle school and high school. So we moved them in the middle of all those things. And um, it's interesting. My two youngest, uh, well, actually my three youngest had never really experienced a major PCS move because the last 10 years of our career, my husband uh, changed duty stations and changed units but we had the ability to be stabilized for 10 years, which is sometimes not, you know, something a lot of military families get to do. So that was really great for us, but those boys had never had that experience. So I found that just a lot of communication with them, this is what we're doing. Um, I don't believe in having them, you know, help go pick out the house, but at the same time, because we were the ones paying for it, but to, but to get some input from them, what would you like to see happen? What, what do you think it would be something that you would like in the next place we live? And, um, so trying to include them in those conversations with the understanding that mom and dad are the ultimate decision makers with this and that we're going to do what's best with the whole family. I think that that eased a lot of it. And then just kind of being open because some children, are more apt to speak up and say, hey, I'm really struggling, and others are not. And you have to be able to see those nonverbal cues. And when we saw those, we were able to bring them in and say, you know, hey, bud, how are you doing? How are you? What's happening? And you just start asking um, leading questions, and, and then you can kind of address whatever their concerns are. So, Kelly, what would be some of your tips for say, uh, a first-time spouse or a family coming into the military, do you have any tips or suggestions for for those folks? I do. Um, And I will tell you what I told my daughter. They were married in December of this past year. So she is a brand new military spouse. And even though she's got a leg up because she was raised in the military, it's still very different. And so some of the most important things that I think for new families, one, never assume you know everything. Just because you did it once, never assume that you've got it down pat because that will set you up for failure. Assume you've got the ability and the tools to do whatever it is that's being required of you, but never neglect the resources that are there. The We are so much further ahead in family support than we ever were, even when I was growing up. And so it's really a shame when folks don't want to use those resources um, to even just for information to go find out what's out there and what's available. So I think it's really important that you find out on your installation 
what is the community center, the Airman Family Reserve Center or the Airman and Family Services Center um, that, you know, they're all called a little different for each services, but that you go and find out exactly what is there for you. Um, and don't wait until you're kind of in a crisis. Don't wait until you're struggling with a budget or don't wait until you're in the middle of a deployment and something, you know, terrible or difficult happens. Go find those things out. And one way to do that is I know in the Navy, it's called Compass. In the Marine Corps, it's called Lynx. Army, it's uh, Army Family t- uh, Team Building. Air Force, I I think it was called something with hearts. I apologize, I don't know that. But those are spouse education courses. And to go and partake of those, go sit in on them, even if you've been in 10 years. I'll tell you, when, we, when I started Lynx, um, I was actually had been, I think we'd been in over 10 years, but I'd always been on one certain part of the Marine Corps. I'd never been in the air wing. I'd never been in some other areas. So there was parts of the Marine Corps I didn't even know about or understand until I took that course. And as luck would have it, because of my husband's MOS, we were able to, then I was in these different branches or areas of the Marine Corps throughout his career. And so I think it's really important that you stay open to receiving that information and utilizing it. Um, that's what it's there for. It's like somebody dying of thirst and having a big pitcher of water and saying, you know what? Uh, no, thank you. I'm going to wait. Don't, don't wait. Don't wait. Kelly, thank you. This is all wonderful advice. And, 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 and it's been great to, to hear your uh, stories and your suggestions and, and your ideas and what you've done to build your community and to find your tribe, so to speak, in the military family. Thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing with us all this information. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the DOD Be There podcast. Contact the Be There Peer Support Line at 844-357-PEER. That's 844-357-7337. Follow us on Facebook at Be There Peer Support and on Twitter at DOD Peer Support. You can also visit us on our website at BeTherePeerSupport.org.